How's everyone doing? Good, good. All right. Temperature's all right? Huh? A little bit. Um, so for, uh, for those of us who haven't who've missed maybe a week or two, I wanted to just do a little uh, summary of where we've been, and then we'll, we'll, we'll dive into the second chapter here. Can everybody hear me okay? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm getting used to the not walk around mic. I have to try to stay in one spot, so... Anyway, uh, so up to this point in the story, we have, we've been introduced to um, a period known in the Book of Ruth as the time when the judges ruled. What we learned about that was it was a time when Israel went off the tracks, um, so to speak. They rejected Yahweh and, and, and the laws that Yahweh had given. Um, Israel had rejected the people of God, the people that God had put in front of Israel to lead them, um, and they had fallen into patterns and ways that were outside of God's laws and his covenant with them. So we've been introduced to two of the main characters so far, um, Naomi, who is an Israelite, and she is living in a foreign land, Moab, which is on the other side of the Dead Sea. Um, So Israel's over here, Moab's over here, this is the Dead Sea, we'll pretend. Is blue. Um, so Naomi, what do we know about her? She loses her husband. She loses both of her sons, um, who and her sons had married Moabite women. So there's already like some a lot of tension there. Um, normally, you marry within your own culture. So you would marry Israelites, not Moabites. Um, Naomi's left stranded in a home that isn't hers, with two foreign women. And uh, both Ruth and Orpah, who are her daughter-in-laws, um, they want to return with Naomi back to Israel um, because Naomi gets word that there's going that there's food there, and so the famine has, is no longer, and they can she can go back home. But Naomi is pretty convinced that she that Ruth and Orpah should not go with her, so she isn't having it until Ruth, who I am convinced. Is, is pressed hard by the Spirit of God. I really think this woman has the Spirit of God in her from the very beginning. And she persists in returning to Israel with Naomi. So Ruth then goes, she has this, this you know, sort of famous quote that she gives that a lot of people know. And she makes this covenant with Naomi, claiming Naomi as her own people. So she's sort of rejecting her old way of life, sort of going to this new way of life with her, her mother-in-law. And Ruth says, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. So Naomi begrudgingly accepts <laughs> um, Ruth's invitation, um, but Naomi does not make any promises to Ruth about what will happen when they go back to Bethlehem. So upon the arrival of Naomi and Ruth, when they arrive in Bethlehem, Naomi laments before her people. She, with emptiness and questions uh, about, of God's promises on her life. And so she literally says, I was full when I left, but now I have returned empty. Nothing. And not just physically, but I think spiritually, just dark and lost. So this morning, we arrive in Bethlehem. We arrive in Bethlehem. 
with Ruth and Naomi. So like I said, Naomi arrives empty. She arrives hungry because they had just come from a land that was losing all their food. Now they're going to another land that has hopefully has some food. And now he's ready to throw in the towel. Ruth, on the other hand, arrives hungry and determined and ready to grab the opportunities that God puts before her. Are you all with me so far? Uh, so perhaps there's one of these women in the story you can identify with. Um, is there a determination in you, like Ruth, and do what needs to be done? Or are you, in, are you arriving this morning in a place where you feel life has been stripped from you? And you're ready to throw in the towel. And you are empty. It's no, it's no mistake that both of these women are together. One empty, one more full. And we're going to see how God uses one another, uses them to minister to one another. So I just want you to notice what story, what, who you identify with. Um, in, in, the, in the story. So we pick up the story with Ruth. She's determined to go and find food for her mother-in-law. And she does not want to let her aging mother-in-law uh, go hungry. And she's ready to glean whatever she can as a poor widowed woman. Um, so there's a, there's a concept I want to introduce to you that we've seen in the story so far and we're going to see it throughout. Um, and it pops up over and over and over again in the story. And it pops up in the Old Testament tons. And, in fact, uh, the first time that we see it was when Naomi was attempting to send Ruth and Orpah away. She, that's when she says, go back to Moab, don't come with me. So you, Naomi uses a phrase. The phrase, loving kindness. Um, and so she essentially bestows a blessing on Ruth. On these two women in their journey ahead. I want you to have, I want God, I want you, I want God to go with you the way God has been with me, is what she tells these women. Go with God's love and let God's love and grace be upon you as you return back. So this term that she uses is, is the word hesed. Say hesed. Hesed. So it's a Hebrew word. And it means unmerited love. It's spelled H-E-S-E-D. In the Hebrew, it's a little bit different, but that's how we pronounce it in English. Um, so it means unmerited love, grace, loving kindness with no strings attached. It's a steadfast love of God. It is a loving kindness that is palpable at times, and you can clearly see it, and you know it's there, and you can almost touch it. But then it's also a love and grace that God has when you look back after a hard season. Those seasons when you barely can put one foot in front of the other. Life is just empty. So the hard times, the hard times are when you notice, when you're not even sure how you're putting one foot in front of the other. Are you with me so far? Has anybody been there? Just what is moving me along? And you just... So said is when you come out the other side... And you look back and you recognize God's unmerited love was there the whole time. But we don't see it often right in the middle of it. Are you with me? Yeah. 
So trying, trying to describe the word hesed. So we have, we have no English um, equivalent for the word hesed in Hebrew. We just can basically come up with words around it, but there isn't an actual word-for-word word translation. So when I say unmerited grace, unmerited love, unmerited kindness, that's the best we can do. And that's kind of unanimous in scholarship. Um, but trying to describe the word hesed, I, for me, it's like trying to explain what the wind looks like. You know it's there. You, can, um, you can't really see it, except for how it affects what goes on around it. You can certainly sense it, feel it on your skin, but can't can't see it. Um, so this word has said is, is so important because it reflects something about the character of God. God is a God who is, has unmerited love, unmerited kindness, and grace to people. No strings attached. It's given with nothing in return. You with me so far? So I want to argue that God is said. God is that love. He does said. He provokes said. And as image bearers, people that God has created, we are designed to experience it. Sometimes right in the middle of trying to put one foot in front of the other, we can't. But then we have the roots around us who point us back. So, the first place that we see said is in um, verse 2, chapter 2. And it's a, it's a subtle little note. Um, verse 2, chapter 2. So, Ruth asks her mother-in-law, can I go and glean? So, Ruth's mother-in-law says, go, my daughter. Now, in the text, all the way up to this point in the story... Ruth has always been referred to as the daughter-in-law. There's a change here. There's something different that has happened in Naomi, in the way Naomi sees Ruth. She no longer sees her as the daughter-in-law. I mean, the daughter-in-law, that's the person, you know, my in-laws. We all have that side of the family, right? But no, Naomi now sees Ruth as her daughter. Go, my daughter. Imagine what... Ruth is experiencing for a moment to suddenly be called my daughter. What would she have felt? Say a couple words. Like just that, what emotions would she have felt to be recognized as not the daughter-in-law suddenly? Connection. Okay, connection? Family. Family? Family. Oh, man. What's that? Belonging? What would you say, Carol? Blessing. Blessing. Okay. So, first point. Hesed has the power to change the way we see things. So Naomi doesn't seem so empty here suddenly. I mean, just two verses ago, she arrives and she declares to her own people, I am Mara. I am bitter. But here, not only does she... Not only does her name not go back to Mara, the author wants us to know they're not sticking with Mara, they're sticking with <laughs> Naomi. There's something true about what God has named you and your, your identity in Christ. She is not better. She is Naomi. And she sees her daughter-in-law in a different light as her daughter. So trans- said transforms our sight. 
God's love and kindness transforms our sight and the way that we see things. Are you with me so far? So if you were to look, so if I were to look back on my, uh, on Bethany's family, Christy Nass, Christy and Bob Nass. So when we first got married, I was the boyfriend, and then I was the fiance, yeah, fiance, and then I was the son-in-law. And they never looked at me as like, oh, he's the son-in-law. I mean, I was never that guy. I'm not. I'm not that guy. But. But I was never the son-in-law. Um, but, but when you ask Christy, when you talk to Christy and she talks about me, she talks about me as her son. It's a totally different thing. I'm not the son-in-law. And I would argue that she loves me more than her actual other kids and her. <laughs> she loves me. Like, there is a different, there is a said going on with Christy. She has a loving kindness and unmerited grace to me that is totally different. And she knows me that. And Bethany laughs, and I can see her eyes welling up as I'm looking at her because that's how Christy sees me. And for someone who had a broken family, who had nothing, I mean, this is just coming to me right now, it's, a, it's amazing when someone says that. This is, this is my son. I said, has the power to transform how we see things. Second point. Has said compels us to do things we would not normally do and do them as if they were completely natural to us. Are you with me so far? So, Ruth goes out into the field to do some gleaning for her mother. That's a set right there. Okay? So, gleaning was a part of Israel's welfare system. It was an intentional way for, um, that God had set up with people of Israel to take care of the poor, the widow, the alien, the undocumented, so that they might sustain themselves with food. So it was in the Mosaic Law. If you look in the book of Leviticus, the book of Deuteronomy, I'll read a couple small verses here um, about what it said. It said, when you harvest your grain and you forget a sheaf back in the field, don't go back and get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the orphan, and the widow, so that God your God will bless you in all your work. Uh, when you shake the olives off your trees, you know, when you have your olive trees and humble, when you're shaking them... <laughs> The word of the Lord, not mine, okay? Uh, it says, don't strip them bare. What's left is for the foreigner, the orphan, and the widow. When you cut grapes in your vineyard, don't take every last grape. Leave a few for the foreigner, the orphan, and the widow. So I don't know what the modern-day gleaning is. Um, you know, when I drive down I-5 or through the Central Valley, it seems like any kind of agriculture there is, there's fences around it. It's all protected and doesn't seem like you can go in there. I don't work on those farms, so I'm not a, I shouldn't assume, but it just seems like it. that's not, not the case. Yes? Oh, okay. Um, so I would maybe say, like, maybe it's dumpster diving behind McDonald's or a restaurant in Arcata. Perhaps it's there's some people on the streets who have relationships with certain restaurant owners and they leave a bat. I don't know. I'm just kind of – I haven't been on the streets, but I – I'm making some assumptions here, so if I'm wrong, please correct me after service. <laughs> um, <laughs> perhaps it's going through, and I've seen this, this is going through the neighborhood trash cans. 
to find the recycling. So I used to live over here on Aerial Way in Arcata, and it was just, you know, every, when we lived, there was a big field right behind us, and we had people coming all the time that would take all of our bottles and cans and things like that. Um, it's the night shelter, it's CalFresh, it's, it's the system by which we can help take care of those in need. So there's a whole sermon there. We're not going down that road necessarily. So Galini is risky um, for Ruth. She's essentially an undocumented worker. So she's a foreigner in, in Israel. Um, so she has to go to a field in this foreign land. Um, she's not just a foreigner, though. She's a Moabite. So we, we le- learned all about that tension there. She's a woman. She's a widow. So she would have went in the field probably wearing something to identify her as a widow because that's what she would do in this culture. Um, and she probably would have been unfamiliar with the unsaid rules of gleaning. So there's the Mosaic Law. So let's pretend this is the field that we're, we're all gleaners we're gleaning in. And we all have, we all have areas that we go to. Okay? So every, every gleaning season, you know, uh, Bethany goes to that corner and Doug goes over here and I go over there. But then Judy arrives. She doesn't know, how to, she doesn't know our little like, system and how it works. And so maybe she comes over to my system, and I'm like, no, you know, this is this is my gleaning part. So there's probably some unsaid rules that happen. So there's there's quite a bit of risk that happens for Ruth in going to this this area, um, and it's sort of unfamiliar territory. So now Boaz, we have a new character in the story. Uh, he's a person of power, a person of wealth. Uh, he's a per- which means he's a person of influence. Um, and he tells this Moabite woman not only to glean, but from now on, don't go to any other field to glean. Stay right here in this one. And stay close to my young women. Watch where they are harvesting and follow them. And don't worry about a thing. I've given orders to my servants not to harass you. And he goes above and beyond so now he's, now he's breaking rules. Okay, so now it's not just the Mosaic law that he is commanded to follow. He's doing something different here. He says, when you get thirsty, feel free to go and get a drink from the water buckets that the servants have filled. said, which is the love, the kindness, and the grace of God, compels us to do things that we would not normally do and do them as if they were completely natural to us. Are you with me so far? So, this week, um, this week, uh, I just got one more story. Um, we, went, we went to family camp, uh, which is down in uh, Santa Cruz, Mount Hermon. And it's a really neat time for our family. It's very refresh, very spiritually refreshing. We renew. We reset. We almost get ministered to um, by other pastors there. Um, and we don't have to worry about cooking or anything. It's just this really neat, like, five-day window for our family that we cherish. And, um, and every year when we, or when we go to new places um, that my son Antonio is unfamiliar with, he, um, we know he has a lot of anxiety. We know he gets distressed quite easily over newer situations. And we're always nervous. Is he gonna like run out? You know, we always we have this question. She's looking at me, yep, shaking her head. You know, is he gonna run out? Is he gonna explode? Is he gonna call someone names? And and he just he wrestles with a lot in, emotionally inside. And we're working on it. 
And um, so we show up, and there's a childcare program in the morning. Uh, not childcare, it's more like a youth program. They have like skits and games and small groups and all those kinds of things. Lots of fun stuff. Um, you know, so for most children, this is like, yeah, let's do this. You know, it's like right on. Um, for Antonio, he's got some, he's, he's cautious about this whole scene. So he shows up, we drop him off. He kind of goes in, he's just kind of doing the, you know, we're watching him. He's doing this thing where he's like kind of uh, uh, calculating the situation. And, and uh, he, we go, we go to over, over to the adult thing that's happening over in the, the auditorium. And um, we assume everything's going fine. We come back and apparently he had run off and like went down by the creek and just kind of went off. So they found him. And so there's this, there's this woman uh, or this college girl. Um, she, her name was Skittles. <laughs> so all, all the counselors had funny names. There was backpack and Skittles and smudge and anyway. Yes. Uh, so there's all these funny names. And so Skittles comes and she finds him and she decides like um, to just hang out with him and spend 15 or 20 minutes with him and they play games and yada yada. And um, afterwards she says, you know, he ran out. She goes through the whole scene with us and what happened. And then she says, you know, um, I'd like to meet. I'd like to meet up with you guys every day. Uh, maybe 15 or 20 minutes before it starts, and I can just hang out with him. So she, she and this is like probably outside of her job description, and she's young, she's really young, she's probably 19, 20, maybe, I don't know. Um, and so uh, she, she meets us by the bookstore every day, and day and night actually, 15 minutes before, and she, she goes and she sits with Antonio, and they play games, and they do this just this like one-on-one thing. And we didn't sign up at all to have like a one-on-one aid, so this is like way, way above and beyond probably what she's supposed to do. I mean, I imagine she talked with her boss or whatever, but she she takes it upon herself to love him so differently, so that when he arrives to the um, the program, he's ready to receive. And this changed our week completely completely changed our week because we knew our son was being given unmerited love, unmerited kindness. I mean, he can be real mean and harsh back, and he's a sweet soul once you get to know him, but it can be a little harsh in the beginning, and she was the most patient person who went so far above and beyond what she needed to do for Antonio. What's that? And so said. I saw this as said. I stood at the end of the week and I was almost in tears crying over my gratitude of how much this person loved our son. So he said, the love, the kindness, and the grace of God that I think this person had compelled her to do something that she probably wouldn't normally have done, but she did it like it was completely natural to her and normal. Boy, I am way over time. Um, uh, so we're going to go into communion because I could probably just keep going here. Um, but the two points are Hesed transforms our sight. The love of God transforms our sight and how we do things. And secondly, it compels us to do things that we wouldn't normally do so that we would do them like they're natural to us. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about ways that you can be involved with Catalyst, please visit our website at provokechange.org. Until next time, continue loving God, loving our neighbors, and loving each other.